I know that you are starting to want to have your home birth. Maybe you've even already decided that you're going to. And if that's, if that's what you decided, that is great. I'm very, very happy that you've made that decision. But with hospital birth still seemingly to, seems to most people that it's the norm here in this country, right? Most people go to the hospital to have babies. So now you're thinking, well, I want to have my baby at home, but is that really safe? Is, is there a reason I should be in the hospital? Are there people that are safer to give birth in the hospital? Well, in today's episode, we're going to answer that question. Are you a Christian woman yearning for a beautiful, joyful pregnancy and birth with a focus on God, not medical tests? Are you worried the birth you want isn't possible and you're tired of being treated like an accident waiting to happen? Hey, Mama, I'm Lori, host of Your Birth, God's Way. I'm a certified nurse midwife now, but I wasn't always. After working for nearly 20 years in the broken maternity system, I, too, was in your shoes wondering how I could have the birth I wanted and that I felt God meant for me to have. I found a secret that has actually been known since the beginning of time. God's way is the best way. Spoiler alert, God made us and our babies and he knows us best. He designed us perfectly for pregnancy, birth, and nourishing our babies after birth if we work with his design and not against it. In this podcast, you'll learn how to be healthy and have joy during this time of life that will be over before you know it. So if you're ready to reclaim your birth and your babies for His glory, go turn on a few episodes of Bluey for that little one on your hip so you can put the focus back on you for a few minutes with me. I can't tell you how excited I am to tell you that I got my first review from a dad. Yay! I mean, if you listen to my podcast, you know I mostly talk to moms, right? But my message is really for dads too because... To be a mom, there has to be a dad, right? And I know that a lot of dads are listening. So to Barrow W, whoever you are, wherever you are out there, you are the first man to leave me a review and you will forever be remembered as such. And I appreciate you for being that one. So let me read to you what he had to say. He said, as a first time father to be, I had been searching and searching for practical, well-informed advice from a Christian perspective on how to minister to my wife's needs and help guide our decisions during her pregnancy. I kept coming up empty-handed until I found this program, and I'm so thankful that I did. The amount I have learned is incredible. I was a complete ignoramus on the subject at the beginning. All I knew is that my wife wanted to go with a midwife. I trusted her instinct on the matter, but I wanted to know more. After binge listening to your program, sharing it with my wife, and doing further reading on the topics Lori raised, I now feel confident and prepared with the knowledge I need to help my wife make the decisions that are best for her and our baby. I am truly grateful for Lori and her generosity in sharing her wisdom through this podcast. It has been an invaluable blessing to me in this most important time for our family Thank you, Lori, and God bless you in your work. Thank you, Barrow, and God bless you for taking the time to leave me that review. When I saw that a few days ago, it made my day. I read it to my husband. I'm like, oh my goodness, I actually listened and left me a review. (laughs) I know that sounds silly, but it really, really, really does make my day when you leave reviews. So if you haven't already, hit pause real quick. Go leave me a quick five-star written review. And you just don't know how far that goes, how much it helps me, it encourages me, and it helps me find other moms and maybe other dads just like you who knew this information. Okay, with that out of the way, on to our topic for the day. You know, in this world where we have been sold a bill of goods, 
and told that all women need to be at the hospital to give birth, you know, once you figure out that this system is all based on a lie, it's normal to want to get as far away from that as you possibly can. It's normal. It's what I did. I found out and I went running. (laughs) I'm talking about running the other direction. And sometimes it's easy to go too far. There is a balance there. The hospital obviously does serve some purpose. But what is it? You know, it's fine. Honestly, it is best for most moms to give birth at home. It's good. It's normal. It's comfortable. It's the best place for most mamas. But there are some moms who really are needing to be in the hospital because maybe they have a pre-existing health condition that needs extra resources, tools, um, treatments that aren't available at home. Maybe there's something going on with this current pregnancy that the best, safest place for that pregnancy to come to its conclusion at birth is to be at the hospital. But what are those conditions? How do you know if you're one of those people? That's what we're going to talk about today. And if you happen to be one that falls into one of these categories, don't worry. That doesn't mean that all your plans are out the window, okay? We're going to touch at the end on how you can still have the birth you're wanting, even if you end up needing to be at a hospital to give birth. Now, most moms can be at home to give birth safely because most things, honestly, that go wrong with babies suddenly out of nowhere, most of those things only happen in hospital settings. Almost never does a baby go from completely normal to terrible instantly. The things that cause them to tank, as we sometimes call it in the medical world, are the Pitocin, the epidurals, the medications that were given but they weren't really needed, and the baby's reacting because the baby just can't handle this intense level of labor that's just honestly abnormal, okay? So these things don't happen at home because at home, labor is progressing naturally and normally the way that God intended it to. It's not being rushed. It's not being made to be stronger than than it would naturally be. God does not put into our bodies a force that is going to destroy us or our babies. Our contractions come in waves. They come gradually. They come progressively stronger in a way that the baby can handle. Okay. So when you're in the hospital though, sometimes the forces that are in the hospital do override that and they can cause a baby to go from not great or from great to not great pretty quick, but that doesn't happen at home. So this is why it's safe for most moms to give birth at home. It's fine for most moms to give birth at home. Add on top of that, moms at the hospital aren't getting any food, so they're not getting any calories to support their labor. They're not able to move around most often. She can't labor normally because there's strangers in and out of her room constantly. All these things impact her labor being able to be a normal progression that can lend itself to the baby not tolerating it when the labor slows down and we're having to make the labor happen faster And the contractions are just more than the baby can handle. Those things don't happen at home. So you don't get those quick out of nowhere tank situations almost ever at home. But that all being said, there are some situations that are going to be safer handled at the hospital. Sometimes this is going to be because of a pre-existing medical condition. And sometimes it's something going on with the current pregnancy. So let's talk about what some of those things are. Now, this list is not exhaustive by any stretch. It's impossible for me to cover every single possible situation. 
I'm sure you understand that. So some of these things are going to be generalities and you're just going to kind of have to connect the dots and probably talk to your provider to see if you fall into that, if it applies to you. So first, let's talk about problems with the current pregnancy that could be reasons to give birth at the hospital that are predictable because not all things are predictable. Some things you can't know they're coming, but these are things that you know exist that you know would be safer at home. First, your baby's premature. So obviously you might not know that ahead of time, but let's say, you know, you're 32 weeks and you go into labor. Yeah, you're going to need to be at the hospital for that because you don't have the things at home and you can't have at home the things that you may need to support a premature baby. So in that case, you're going to have to switch from having a home birth to having a hospital birth. But again, all these things hang in there. It doesn't mean your whole birth plan is out the window. We're going to talk about that a little bit at the end. Okay, second thing, polyhydramnios, and this means true polyhydramnios. Lots of times these diagnoses about or diagnoses about fluid, which polyhydramnios means too much fluid. Oligohydramnios means not enough fluid. And hydramnios means no fluid. These terms get thrown around very often in cases that they don't actually exist because it's very hard to prove because ultrasound is inherently flawed and it is notoriously inaccurate at term. So oftentimes these are used to manipulate you. You need a true diagnosis of these things. Maybe the same diagnosis coming over more than one time that you're having a scan or maybe even considering getting a second opinion before submitting to all of the interventions that this may bring. So a true, but a true polyhydramniosis diagnosis, true oligo, true anhydramniosis, these are hard words to say. Those things are reasons to be in the hospital. True placenta previa, meaning the placenta is covering up all or part of the cervix. That would be a reason, at term that is, that would be a reason to give birth at the hospital. I say true because sometimes a marginal previa, which means it's kind of close, but it's not actually over the cervix, can cause you to be manipulated into being in the hospital. It needs to actually be covering the cervix at term, not at 20 weeks when you have your anatomy scan, at term, okay? If you found that there is something wrong anatomically with your baby, maybe when you were having your ultrasound, you found out that something wasn't quite right in that situation, is going to require immediate medical attention at birth, that is a situation in which you would need to be at the hospital. If your baby has a situation called IUGR, that means intrauterine growth restriction, not just a small baby because you have small babies, but a baby where it had a curve, meaning it was kind of growing at a constant pace, and then that pace stopped or dropped off, indicating that something's not going on right, something has fallen outside of normal, that would be a reason to have your baby at the hospital just because it's very likely that your baby is going to need a little extra attention at birth, okay, beyond what a home birth midwife would have the equipment and the um, experience to take care of. And then also true preeclampsia. And again, I say true because there are certain parameters that actually must be met to diagnose you with preeclampsia. And that is not just because your midwife doesn't feel good about it or your doctor doesn't feel good about it or you had that one pressure. That's not enough. There are labs and there are a certain number of readings that need to be met to diagnose you with preeclampsia. And so when those conditions are met, it is safer for you to be at the hospital because of what that can turn into during labor. Okay. Those are the reasons that, and granted, there may be others, but these are the main big reasons with your current pregnancy that you may need to be in a hospital when you give birth.
Now, there are some pregnancy problems that can happen that are not predictable. And I'm going to list these here, but honestly, there's no way to know they're coming almost ever, okay? So these are not necessarily reasons to be at the hospital beforehand. And several of these don't really happen at home very much because some of them are believed to be connected with some of the things that are done at the hospital again. But I just want to listen, list them here because if they were to happen while you are at home, they would indicate a need to transfer most likely, okay? One would be a cord prolapse. That means that the baby's cord has come down a ahead of its head and so now the head or the presenting part if it's a, a breech presentation so now the presenting part is pressing on the cord over and over and you can't relieve that pressure okay that's an emergency that must be dealt with immediately or the baby can truly die not just trying to scare you into it because that's the baby's lifeline so if it's getting squeezed off and it can't get the oxygen that it needs and the blood supply that it needs obviously we have a problem a uterine rupture Abruption. Abruption means that the placenta has let go of the uterine wall, either in part or completely, before the baby has been born. Um, that is a true emergency. Um, an eclamptic seizure. That means your preeclampsia has become a seizure. Hopefully, that's not going to happen at home. Hopefully, if you had preeclampsia, you're already at the hospital. But if that were to happen at home, then all of a sudden, it's an emergency. You gotta, you've got to transfer. And then something called amniotic fluid embolism. Again. That is something that would happen out of nowhere. Basically, it means amniotic fluid has gotten gotten into your blood circulation in a way that um, your system basically shuts down. Almost never happens. I think I've seen, I'm trying to think, I think I've seen one in my career, and of course it was at a hospital. So um, there are con connections with that. There are correlations with several medications that you receive in a hospital. Um, I'm not saying that it can't happen at home. I'm trying to remember if I've, if I've ever heard a story of one I can't remember, but I don't want to say that it can't happen because it very possibly could, but it's not something that you could ever see coming, okay? So just throwing those in there as reasons where you would have to transfer pretty emergently, but they almost never happen. They're very, very, very rare, so I don't want that to scare you, okay? Now let's move on to problems with your health, pre-existing problems with your health that could make hospital a safer place for you to give birth. First, high blood pressure heart conditions, heart diseases, okay? There may be some that are exceptions to where you can be safe at home, but I'm not a cardiologist, and so I'm not going to recommend you go, I'm, I'm not going to list any specifics. You're going to have to talk to your cardiologist, and you're going to have to talk to your obstetrician or midwife to decide that, okay? Liver or kidney disease, seizure disorders, asthma or pulmonary disease that can't be controlled easily at home, any significant health issues that can impact your labor or your pregnancy, Diabetes that's uncontrolled. Some people would say diabetes at all. I don't like to say that because in these days, there are people who have indwelling pumps and indwelling monitors to where their blood sugars are completely normal all the time now. In those conditions, it can be safe to be at home if you have a provider that's comfortable with it. And that's really the big thing. If they, and, and if the law will allow them, but if, the, if your provider is comfortable and you have evidence that your sugars are completely normal, um, but again, that's one of those situations you're going to have to really um, look for a provider who's comfortable with it and have these discussions with them. Other things are infections like HIV or AIDS, some, some of these, and there's others as well that you're going to just be safer at a hospital because there may be interventions that you might need that aren't available at a uh, home birth. Psychiatric conditions, mainly severe ones where they're not controlled with medication and there is a possibility that the, the stress, I mean, labor is a stressful scenario and that stress could cause a break 
then you definitely want to be at the hospital just so that you have that additional support if that were to happen. Um, in cases of substance abuse, even if you think that the mom is dealing with it in stable, the problem with substance abuse specifically is for the baby because the baby is also going to be addicted to whatever mom is addicted to. And once the baby is born, that baby is immediately going to go into withdrawals and that requires very specialized support. I have taken care of these babies many times in an NQ setting and you don't want to have those babies at home because of that extra support that's needed to safely help them transition out of being on these different substances. Not going to go into whether or not you should be on those substances. You probably already know that. And I know that with the the um, audience that I have, it's very unlikely that that's even going to be an issue. But if it is, just understand that that would be a situation for the sake of your baby that you do need to be in a hospital. And then the last one I'm going to talk about here is if you have an active genital herpes lesion at the onset of labor. This doesn't mean that you just have a positive blood test, but you have no symptoms of the situation of the condition. It means that you have an actual lesion at the time that you go into labor, because if the baby passes over that, comes into contact with that, it can be spread by touch, and that can make the baby very, very, very sick. And so that would be a situation that you would need to be at the hospital because in that particular situation, you're most likely going to have to have a C-section for the protection of the baby. That's when the risk benefit really comes in. You know, there's, it's just not worth the risk of that sickness that is worse for babies than it is for adults. Okay. So you, you're going to have to really talk that over with your provider and you're probably going to have that discussion early on when you get your prenatal labs and you're telling them about, you know, your medical history, about what the plan would be if you did have an active lesion at birth. There's also, there are also medications you can be on to prevent those outbreaks or to try to prevent those outbreaks. Um, but you have to, again, go through the risk and benefit of whether you want to be on those medications during pregnancy or whether you would rather not be. And that is a decision that you need to make with your provider. Okay, so here's some reasons, though, not to automatically have to be in the hospital, but might make you need to be in a hospital. And in all of these cases, you need to have true informed consent because you're going to have to fully understand the risk and the benefits in each location, and you have to decide which one's better for you. And they're also going to require that you have a provider that is comfortable caring for these situations, and that's the hard part, finding a provider a birth attendant who will comfortably take care of these things, it's tough because there are very few that have the experience to where they feel they can safely care for you if you have these situations. So what are these situations? First, having a prior C-section. Okay, so if you've had one, two, three, whatever, however many C-sections in the past, um, whether or not that you can safely have a home birth is going to depend on the type of incision, how long it's been since that C-section, how long between pregnancies and these kind of things. And it's also unfortunately going to depend on laws. So some places there are providers who are comfortable taking care of it, but the law won't allow them to. So you're going to have to take all that in consideration, which I'm sure if you have had a C-section in the past, you are well aware of this. It doesn't automatically mean you have to be in a hospital, but you need to be truly given the information to give true informed consent and you need to have a provider who is comfortable with the situation. Second one is multiples. So twins, uh, maybe even triplets. Um, you, if you're in the Instagram world, you probably saw that just a few weeks ago, maybe a couple weeks ago, 
there were triplets born at home and it was beautiful and it's been well documented tons of videos out there you can go look it up if you haven't seen it so you can see that it is possible but finding a provider who will care for you is going to be tough um but those are not automatic i just want you to realize that there are ways to have twins and triplets given certain conditions and situations in it there are some kinds that may not be as safe at home there's different types of twins different types of triplets and that's really more than i have time to go into here today but it's definitely something to look into if you find yourself pregnant with twins or triplets and you decide that you want to be at home do the research try to see if you can find someone who will support your birth plan don't automatically give up okay also breach if your baby's breach at term it does not automatically have to be a c-section we talked that about that a little bit in the past and again, that's going to depend on the type of breach and it's going to depend on, depend on your provider's comfort level, how much training they've had, because you really need to have a trained breach provider, but they do exist. Okay. So don't think that if you have a breach baby and you're at term, that it's an automatic section, you can try to find a provider if you don't already have one who is comfortable with delivering vaginal breach babies who would entertain doing that in the home setting. If you are past 40 weeks, you are, quote, overdue. I hate that word. You know that. But if you're deemed by the medical world to be overdue, that does not mean you have to be in a hospital unless the law indicates that it does. And even in that case, you're going to have to do the research to decide where you want to go, what you want to do. Um, I'm not going to go into that one too much, but your baby doesn't have a timer on it to where all of a sudden, ding, 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 it's time for this baby to be born. If the baby hasn't come yet, it means the baby's not ready yet and God hasn't decided it's time for that baby to be born yet, right? That is not an emergency, but many people treat it as such. There is a very, very, very small increase in the risk for something called stillbirth. That's where the baby dies before birth. But it's a very small risk. You have to ri you have to weigh these risks and weigh the benefits. Weigh the risk of induction next to the risk of not inducing and decide which one's best for you. These are decisions you have to make between you and your provider. And hopefully you live in a place where the law doesn't force you to do something that you don't want to do. And then finally, some places um, your body mass index, your weight is going to indicate whether or not you can be at home or in a birth center. And some people really don't like this. It makes them uncomfortable. Um, and I agree with that to some degree. However, having cared for a lot, a lot, a lot of overweight moms. Now, granted, I will give you um, the caveat that they were in hospital settings and they were all on their backs in beds, not able to move around. So that contributed to the situation. And I recognize that now, but there was nothing I could do about it then. But they, their labors tend to progress differently. And there are things structurally that can cause the baby to have a really, really hard time coming down. And so sometimes a safer place for those babies to be born is going to be the hospital. But I will not say blanket all moms over some arbitrary number of BMI need to be in the hospital. That is a conversation that you need to have with your provider. Okay. So again, that was not an exhaustive list. Obviously, there's lots of other things that can play into that. You know, you may have some unusual health condition going on that your provider says you can't give birth at home. I, I, I can't address every single situation, but hopefully that gives you some guidelines to kind of start with. But let's say you are one of those moments. Let's say you are one that has one of these conditions and now you're like, oh no, I wanted to have a home birth and now I have to go to the hospital. What do I do? Do you have to completely abandon your birth plan? And the answer is a resounding no. No. 
there's really no situation that should make, quote, make you have to have any routine intervention at the hospital that you don't want beyond maybe continuous fetal monitoring and having IV access. And when I say having IV access, I don't mean them giving you fluids or giving you Pitocin. I mean, just having that little hub that's already in your arm to where they can quickly hook up to it if you have the situation arise that you need medications quickly. Those two interventions are the only ones that I can think of that I might say they need to, quote, make you do even if you don't want to, okay? Because none of the situations that I listed would indicate making you have something like Pitocin. In fact, there are some of these situations that are going to be safer without Pitocin, like a VBAC, a vaginal birth after C-section, because while some hospitals find it acceptable to apply extra stress on that already scarred uterus, I personally do not believe that that's a safe option. I think it's always going to be better to just let labor progress on its own, because if you start to put extra force on that incision, you are asking for problems. And I just, honestly, I don't understand the quote wisdom behind that at all. Um, None of these situations would indicate having to have an epidural unless it's really, really strongly believed there's a very high probability that you're going to need a C-section. That's the only time that I can think that it would be needed to automatically have an epidural in place just because you want to not have to end up having general anesthesia later if an emergency related to whatever situation landed you in the hospital to start with in case that situation arose. Um, but that's, that's really few. That's really few. Most of the situations that we talked about are not going to fall into that to where you would have to have an epidural. So what do you do? I mean, I can't address every single situation here, obviously. I can't tell you, well, this one would need this and this one would need that. That's like a textbook for a college course, right? Or a a master's level course. I can't go through all of those things. But what I can tell you is what you can do in these situations. Thing one, ask questions. Ask questions. Ask questions and keep on asking until you feel good about the information you've received, okay? That... They tell you, let's say they tell you that you have to have something, you know, you have to have whatever intervention that they want you to have. You ask why, okay? They should be able to answer you, you know, why do I need this? Then ask them to give you the risk of that thing that they want you to have. Ask them to tell you the benefits of that thing that they want you to have. And then ask them to tell you any alternatives that are available. So like, you know, you really don't want to do this thing. What else could we do instead? Ask them those things. Then ask him, well, what happens if we don't do that? You know, let's say I decided do not want that. I'm not going to allow that to happen. What then? Okay. Or maybe ask, what if we waited for an hour? Can we wait an hour and reassess? If you ask them if you can wait an hour and they say yes, then that is an indication that it's not actually needed and it's not actually an emergency because if you can wait an hour, then you can wait two hours or three hours or five hours, right? So these are some questions you can ask. And if they don't want to answer them, that's tough. Their job really is to give you informed consent. They may not like it, but that's their job. Okay. Next, you can still have a birth plan. Okay. So you can still write out your birth preferences. You can still let them know, you know, what you want, what you don't want, how you would like the environment to be, who you want in there, who you don't want in there. You can say all of these things respectfully, of course. Anytime you have a birth plan, it's always good to lead in with, I know that you're here to protect my safety. 
but these are the things that I would prefer to have or prefer not to have in my birth. And I would appreciate you working with me to make as many of these things possible or happen as possible. Okay. It's always good to deal with with respect. Don't go in belligerent, but know that they also need to respect your wishes and they do need to answer your questions and they need to support what you want as much as is possible. You know, you can actually likely still have collaborative care with a midwife if you'd like. Let's say you have something going on that you need to have a birth in a hospital, but your prenatal prenatal care is essentially the same. Let's say it's not something going on with the pregnancy to where you're going to need to have really intensive um, care or monitoring or whatever the case may be. You could still have a midwife care for you during pregnancy and then maybe even act in a doula role when birth comes around if they're comfortable with that. Maybe have them transition into being a doula there to support you and help you through the process during birth while an obstetrician who has whatever specialty is needed is there to attend the birth itself. That's one way maybe, or maybe you can look for a a practice that employs midwives so that for the birth itself, the midwife can manage that, but they still have the obstetrician to collaborate with and maybe even be present during the birth should that be needed. And then of course in the hospital, if it's a situation with a baby where you're going to need NICU support, neonatal intensive care unit, that's what NICU stands for. If you're going to need NICU support, then the midwife can still attend the birth, but you've got the NICU personnel on standby for when the birth happens. These are ways that you can kind of work around it to still have the support that you're wanting, the type of support that you're wanting, while being in the facility that has been deemed safest for you, okay? You could always ask for the bare minimum treatments as well. You can ask them to please do as little as possible. Leave me alone as much as you can. You can put signs on your door saying, Please don't come in unless it's absolutely necessary. Ask for minimal interruption so that your labor can progress as closely to normal as you can manage, okay? There are, just, there are a lot of ways that you can still have normal even in a hospital setting. Yes, it's a little bit harder, but there are ways to make it more likely and more possible. And a great book about that is called Natural Hospital Birth. It's by Cynthia Gabriel. I'll link it in the show notes for you in case you're one of these mamas who is going to need to have a hospital birth, has a lot of suggestions about ways to have this natural birth that you're wanting to have. So if that's something that you need, just go check out the show notes and I'll have a link down there for you. You know, I know this is all a lot. It's a lot. And, and even with that list, it sounds so long. It's still just a really small subset that are going to actually, quote, have to deliver in a hospital. But even if you're one of those, just know that you don't have to abandon ship. You don't have to completely abandon your God. You don't have to completely abandon your plan. You can still have the birth that you're hoping to have. You're just going to have to have it in a different situation. And you can still advocate for having the things in place during your birth that you're really dreaming of having. But sometimes, you know, it becomes an issue of finding a provider who has the training and the comfort level to attend your birth. Um, you know, especially in situations like twins or V-backs and things like that, you have to decide where the best situation is, whether you can find the provider who is comfortable and trained well enough to take care of you. And then you just have to weigh the risks and benefits and, and decide where the best place for you is. Sometimes you might have to travel to find the attendant that you need. That's going to be your choice with, between you and your husband. And this, it can all be very hard to navigate. And I recognize that. Okay. It can all be hard to navigate, but remember, you can always learn more. In fact, you can learn everything that you need to know to be prepared for your birth, no matter where it ends up being, 
in my own online Christian childbirth education course. It's available on demand. You can consume it as fast or as slow as you want to. And you can find the link for that down in the description and the show notes. And if you have a situation that you're needing more help with, like whether or not you should be at home or in the hospital for your birth, uh, maybe you're needing help forming a birth plan, maybe you need help getting your husband or your mom or your mother-in-law on board with your birth plan, or really anything else that you might need some one-on-one help with to sit down with a midwife to kind of talk it through and to have a plan moving forward, an actionable plan moving forward where you can feel confident in knowing that you're making good decisions. Remember, I offer the Midwife and Me Power Hours. I have a few slots. I don't have a lot of slots for those, but I'll be happy to sit down with you if you want to go grab one of them to help you work through whatever it is that you're going to need a little extra help with. You know, sometimes you've only got five minutes maybe in your prenatal appointment and you just need a little extra help. You need somebody to sit down and talk it through with you who understands both sides of the equation, who can help you kind of make sense, make heads or tails of it. I'm here for that. Okay. So go grab one of those slots. Again, they're very, very limited because it takes a lot of time for me to prepare to make sure that I'm giving you the best information that I can. So I can only do a few of those, but you can go grab one of those over um, on my website. Again, the link for that also is going to be down in the show notes in the description. So if you need one of those, go grab it right now before they're gone. And don't forget to set your reminders. I post new episodes every Tuesday. So if you haven't already, be sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast app so that you will get the notifications when the new episodes go up each Tuesday. And I will see you right back here with more great information for you as you prepare to have your birth God's way next week. Real quick, if today's episode blessed you in any way, would you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a quick five-star written review? It'll take you less than a minute, but it's the best thank you you can give me. And it will help my show to reach more mamas just like you so we can all find God's best for our families. I'll see you right back here in a few days.